episode of College Football Gridiron, our college football podcast here at WFUV Sports, alongside Ryan Gregware and Danny Scott. I am Chris Hennessy. Uh, we got a lot to go over from week three, preview from week four. Ryan was down in Florida and battled through a lightning delay to, for the Fordham FAU game. Uh, so we do have a lot to go over, but we're going to start with another game that took place uh, in Florida last week, and that was the 31-29 victory for the Crimson Tide over the Gators. Alabama jumps out to a 21-3 lead within the first 15 minutes of the game. They get outscored for the rest of the way. They hang on, um, hang on to win the SEC game. So they go into their bye week undefeated. Uh, this is obviously a potential matchup in the SEC championship. And Ryan, it might put quarterback Bryce Young at the front of the Heisman Trophy race. What were your takeaways from this big SEC matchup? Yeah, obviously a surprising one, you know, Bama came into the game, I think, 14-and-a-half-point favorites, right? Florida ranked high, but I think we all were kind of recognizing or at least saying it didn't look like the same team as last year. We know they lost a ton of pieces, Kyle Pitts, Trask, Tooney, everything like that. We all know that. And so I think, you know, we looked at the test they gave Bama last year in the SEC championship game. Maybe you looked at that. Emory Jones clearly, though, is not the passer of Kyle Trask. But you have to give Florida a ton of credit. It's like in a weird way, it's a loss in a win or it's a good loss, like – I know some coaches will be like, there's no such thing as good losses, but losing to Alabama the way you did, I mean, it's, it's it's certainly encouraging if you are a Florida fan. Obviously, you know, that game got really close really late. I think 21-3 early, you're expecting Bama to just roll with it. But Florida comes back through the ground. They really attacked that rush unit. That's where obviously 245 yards, four touchdowns on the ground. That's what they needed to do. I think they're still – they're leading the country right now in rushing, at least going into this game. You see why – and Emory Jones didn't really even play that well, 195 yards a pick. But Florida is able to drive all the way down the field multiple times. They had a 99-yard touchdown drive. They get it to where a two-point conversion ties the game. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And, you know, bad play call, weird handoff there. It's unfortunate, too, because a missed PAT is the reason they had to go for two. So Bama catches a little bit of a break. I know some may look at this and say, well, now Alabama is beatable. You know, it opens up college ball even more. I don't know if I take that away because you still look at – Bama, um, ton of new guys, ton of new pieces, whole new receiving core. Bryce Young, third career start, first on the road, everything like that in the swamp. It's their fifth most ever fans at a game, and they're still top 15 ranked team. So to do all that as your Alabama and to still come away with the win, I think, you know, it's fine. We saw them. They looked vulnerable versus Ole Miss last year, early in the year. They bounced back. So I don't look at it from that end. You talked about Bryce Young, Heisman. I think that's a really interesting conversation. Maybe it's something we can go on a more of the SEC as a few quarterbacks, Ole Miss, where I think that's a really good conversation. He's been everything Alabama could ask for, 240 yards, three touchdowns in this game. But Bama does get the win. You give them credit. And it's unfortunate for fans of college football that want to see them go down because this was a game where they really had a chance to, but Florida was not able to capitalize and get the win. Yeah, Chris, we talked about it last week. We kind of thought that Alabama was just going to absolutely steamroll them. And it, in the first quarter, it looked like our prediction was going to come straight ahead and become true. But uh, I give credit to uh, Dan Mullins. I actually saw an article that said Dan Mullins is Alabama's kryptonite, but he's never beat them. He always plays tough against Alabama. And you kind of saw that this week as well. Yeah, and I misspoke earlier. Alabama does have Southern Mississippi. So it's not actually by week, but... It's a bye week. Florida stays at 11th in the rankings, uh, which I think is fair, right? They play a really solid game against them, and they'll have another home game this week um, that they should win against Tennessee. So hopefully that's not a letdown spot for Florida because Tennessee is very bad, and 
I think that they deserve to to put themselves in that conversation alongside Georgia for that second spot in the SEC championship game. Whether they're going to get there or not, I don't know. Obviously, they're going to have to play Georgia to get there. Um, but I think that they've solidified themselves as a top four, if like probably the number four team behind AM too, but in the SEC. And that, you know, there were some questions, as you mentioned, Ryan. There's so much change on that offense. You lose the quarterback and the number one receiver. How are you going to replace that? Well, their passing game wasn't great, but they get the job done nonetheless. So uh, they didn't actually get the job done. They're damn close to getting the job done, though, um, nonetheless. And we'll move to Alabama's cross-state rival, Auburn, who went up to play an out-of-conference game against Penn State. I give Auburn a lot of credit for this. They go up to Penn State. They know they're going to be the wideout game, um, and they were, and it was unreal. Um, and they, But they lost. They lost 28-20. to 20 on in the fourth quarter was a a tight game all around the officiating in this game was absolutely brutal um but Penn State takes away a 28 to 20 victory Ohio State beat Tulsa so they're back on track after the Oregon loss but Danny you look at a Big Ten that might be wide open with Iowa Penn State Ohio State Penn State adds the big win to their resume right you saw Iowa add the big win to their resume with Iowa State Penn State adds it with Auburn, and we're still waiting to see that from Ohio State. I think that now it's a three-team race, and then you're going to have Wisconsin actually have the chance to do that against Notre Dame this week, so they can make it a four-team race. The Big Ten just gets more and more interesting by the week, and Penn State proved they belong in that conversation. Yeah, like we mentioned last week, chaos has completely arrived, and I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I, I am very high on Iowa. Uh, I believe both of you guys have mentioned how high on Iowa you are. I think you have to look at them as the favorites right now. It's really tough to count out Ohio State, but uh, Penn State moves up to number six after taking down Auburn, move up from 10 to six. Uh, if they went out, this is a potential college football playoff team. Um, that environment is absurd, and I give a lot of props to Auburn for at least keeping it close and making it a very fun game to watch. Yeah, this is one where like COVID played a huge role because last year Penn State did not have any fans of the game. That's a top atmosphere in college football, we all know how, like we all know what Penn State can be. So having all those students get a year off, you know, I have a few buddies that go to Penn State. This was something absolutely circled on their calendar for years. Like since they've been there as freshmen, they've looked towards this game versus Auburn. They hadn't beaten SEC opponent at home since 1985. And this is a good Penn State team. A lot, you feel a lot better about this team than last year. Obviously they had a nightmare COVID year again, no fans, weird year. But this Penn State team is legit. This defense is legit. You know, you look at this game. Um, it's one where they're a favorite and everything like that. But this is kind of a year for Penn State where they need to make some noise. You know, Ohio State looks very beatable, has already been beaten. There's confidence there. Iowa, we know that. They are a – that's going to be a dogfight. They, they go out of Iowa in a few weeks, I believe. So that's one where, like, that could be the season for Penn State because, Danny, you said if they went out, they could – they're absolutely a playoff team if they went out because there would be wins over Iowa – Ohio State, Auburn, you know, that'd be a top two resume in the country with everything they've done, the win at Wisconsin, everything like that. And yeah, obviously the crowd, I give credit to Auburn because it didn't really look like their phase, you know, everything like that. This is a, the whiteout is an impossible environment to play and you never know how guys are going to respond, but being an SEC school, I'm sure certainly helps Auburn a ton. They've played in front of huge crowds. They've played on the road in tough environments, but Penn State's defense, it's able to hang on. I think you absolutely look at it. That's the strength of their team, and it's going to come down to the end of the day. Can they can they contain the elite dynamic quarterback play? Because we haven't really seen them 
been tested yet. Um, Wisconsin, obviously, we'll get into later. Graham Mertz, not really a dynamic quarterback. Bo Nix has had a lot of up and down at Auburn. At times, you think he's dynamic, and at other times, he really doesn't look so. So I think that's where we're going to see the test for Penn State. Can they handle that? But for now, you have to feel great. Number six, I think that's probably fair. I know some, you know, consider putting them ahead of Iowa. I'd be fine with that just because their resume is a lot more impressive right now. But it's way too early in the season to look at that. And those two teams will eventually figure it out on the football field. I wouldn't say that Penn State's resume is way ahead of Iowa's yet. Because um, Iowa did go on the road and beat, Ohio, uh, and beat Iowa State. Um, and they did take care of Indiana, although they might be not very good. But when we come to the end of the season, only one of them can run the table, as you mentioned, because they're playing each other. And if Penn State, the one that run the, runs the table, they're going to have beaten Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State to do so. The only team that's really left on Iowa's schedule is Penn State and Wisconsin. Wisconsin already have been lost to Penn State now. Um, so Penn State's schedule is much tougher. So if they both get to the end of the season and – Iowa has one loss and it's only to Penn State and Penn State has one loss and it's only to Wisconsin or it's only to um, Ohio State. Then you're going to start getting the conversation. Well, is Ohio State now back in it? Cause they only lost to Oregon. So one, I think one of them has to run the table in order to be like head over heels above Ohio State because Penn State is playing them and Iowa has a little bit of a weaker schedule. So we'll see how that all plays out. But yeah, it's Columbus Day week on October 9th that those two teams play at Iowa. Uh, they both have pretty cakewalky schedules between now and then. Iowa has Colorado State and Maryland, and then Penn State plays against Villanova this weekend. So they should both get to that game undefeated, uh, and it will be a big, big story if they don't. And then that will be the biggest biggest game on the schedule. Um, you know, obviously Clemson, Georgia was probably bigger, but biggest game on the schedule that week um, for Iowa, Iowa against Penn State. Uh, the rest of the top ten took care of business. Georgia crushes South Carolina, Oregon takes down the local Stony Brook and Oklahoma sneaks by Nebraska. This is where we're going to start. I think we're just going to throw away Georgia and Oregon unless somebody has a comment because they both won as they should. Oklahoma, this is the second time that a team that they should have crushed has taken them to the break. We saw it with Tulane and now we've seen it with Nebraska. Spencer Rattler came in with Heisman opportunity, uh, Heisman expectations. This team came in with national championship expectations. Is it too early, Ryan, to say that they have some holes, or do you still believe them that they're going to run? Believe in them, they're going to run the table, and they'll make it to the playoff. Um, I kind of say yes to both of those questions in a weird way. They absolutely have holes. You look at what they've done this season. That game against Tulane, a home game, they were ravaged by the hurricane. Everything Tulane had the ball with like two minutes left, chance to take the lead. That was concerning. Your one justification, you know, you throw it away. It's week one. Oklahoma started slow a few times last year. So you try, you brush it off, whatever you win next week, 76, nothing you're rolling, right? Home game versus Nebraska power five opponent, but someone you really should beat. We've all seen Nebraska up close. I know they handled our, you know, school, but that doesn't really mean much for the grand scheme of college football in the landscape. That's a team you have to crush. They are not impressive at all. Nebraska losing obviously to Illinois week zero, everything like that. And that game to be as close as it was certainly concerning, but you still look at it. I still put trust in Lincoln Riley and co to kind of figure this thing out. Um, you look at the schedule, obviously, you know, you're going to have your Iowa state. That's someone that it doesn't matter really how good they are. They're not as good as last year. You should always be able to beat them. You're on the road against Texas. Texas kind of fumbled it a little bit here, 
So like the schedule after those two games, there's none that are really even a toss up, maybe, you know, Oklahoma state, but that's someone that you've handled. So like, I know they play their home at West Virginia this week. I know some are calling that kind of a trendy upset. I think they're going to have a fine tuned game bounce back win very decidingly, but it's still kind of a, you know, like there are concerns about Oklahoma. I think people looked at this being like, this is the defense. This is, they finally have their defense. They have a run. They definitely have a quarterback that we all think is going to be really good, especially at the next level. But yeah, they do have holes, but I still think that in this kind of big 12 year, it's weaker year for them. I think they could still run the table and, you know, the resumes at the end of the day, those will work itself out. They just have to keep winning their games, but to, to win by seven Nebraska, I have to imagine there are definitely some flags being raised there because that is a game you really, after not doing against Tulane, like you needed to have a statement win and we're still waiting for it for Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ryan. Uh, they definitely, they definitely have some holes and it's a bit concerning, but also they are just so far head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in the big 12 that I would be surprised if they don't pull out the big 12 and make the college football playoffs. Um, Spencer Rattler needs to figure it out. Obviously uh, he's been kind of struggling throughout the beginning of the year. And like you said, he was one of the Heisman front runners coming into this into the season along with Sam Howell and uh, Bryce Young got a lot of chatter at the beginning of the year. So uh, I'm a little concerned with them. I think they are in a conference that they should be able to run the table and make the playoffs, but I think they're going to go into the playoffs and get stomped. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I, I think that, you know, pretty much regardless of, of how this season ends, if they end up in the playoff and playing, whether it's Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or one of the Big Ten teams, that they're going to get absolutely curb stomped because they can't score in the Big Ten, in the Big 12, excuse me. Obviously, it's only one game in conference, um, and they did have 76 points, I know. But 23 points at home against Nebraska is not impressive. And I think that you really need to see something this week against West Virginia. I'm not, I'm not going to, well, every game is must win in college football because you have to be undefeated to be considered anything. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to say like it's make or break necessarily, but it's close because if they go out and they win, you know, 24 to 20, we're still going to have the same questions when they're going on the road to Kansas state, who's a legitimate top 25 team now. So it's obviously a wait and see kind of thing because it is so early. But I think that we can start to question their legitimacy because of what we've seen from some of the Big Ten teams, obviously a different conference, but some of the Big Ten teams have exceeded expectations and they've kind of fallen short of them. Um, and another team that had expectations and has fallen short of them, despite having won all their games, is Clemson. In the Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson eras, we know Clemson in the ACC has a point differential of a gazillion points. I mean, they beat Syracuse by 60 points and they'll beat the Wake Forest of the world. And they played Georgia Tech this week and won 14 to eight. Quarterback DJ, excuse me. um, The quarterback had 126 yards, two lost fumbles, not so great. Are you getting concerned with this team, Danny? I'm not yet. I mentioned it after the Georgia game, like the offense left a little bit to be desired. They haven't shown me that yet. Um, And and you have to start wondering if a change is going to come or if we're just going to go through this whole season, it's going to be a really down year for Clemson. 
I think I, I think the obvious answer is yeah. I'm concerned. This this is a team that had a lot of expectations coming into this year. Obviously, you lose out on Trevor Lawrence, but we saw DJ play last year. He looked really good. He set the single season passing record against Notre Dame last year in a in a game that they did lose, but what a game it was going into overtime. Um, they are missing out on a lot of guys that they had from last year and previous years, uh, including Etienne and Lawrence. And the defense is still looking good. They still got James Stalski on defense, who is a incredible linebacker. But yeah, I'm, I would be a little concerned if I was a, a Clemson fan right now. They're not looking like the Clemson of past. And that is not okay down there, <laughs> according to them. It'd be like if Alabama was having a down year. People would be calling for Nick Saban's head, and I think we may start seeing some Dabo Sweeney talk here soon. Well, we got to see them lose first to one of these terrible ACC before we do that. Because, like, the Georgia loss, that is excusable. It's week one. Georgia is a top-two team in the country, I think. Even, like, even before that, they were top-two. So, like, that's one where you're not better than Georgia. I never believe so, at least. So, you can kind of throw that up. But this game, like, really weird. DJ Ugalele, 126 yards, no touchdowns, like, what? Like, that's just really weird stuff from Clemson. Maybe it's a blip in the radar. I think, was it two years ago or something? They had a weird game versus UNC where it came down to like a goal line stop on a 2-1 conversion. So maybe it's just like you look at that, it's just a weird kind of game that you need to tune up and you kind of throw the Georgia game out as being a rare instance. But you look at the rest of the schedule, there's no more, there's no reason to have another game like this. Maybe you can still justify you're still in September football and you're still getting your feet wet but now on you got to kind of just snap out of it you got to win all these you said Chris you brought up a stat gazillion points that was some saber metrics there that they thank you see by gazillion because it's definitely that high and they need to continue to do that the rest of the season because there's no one that's going to push you there's no one that's going to challenge you on the schedule so you kind of just have to do what you're supposed to do and like beat the brakes off these teams because you're better than them we all know that And, and Clemson like the mark shouldn't be dominating the ACC that should never be the standard. It's not the standard, to be fair. It's obviously to win a national title. So they got to figure it out. Um, you know, the end of the day, the resume will speak for itself, but they can't have many more games like this because at some point, the bad losses will be bad losses and will hurt the resume. And that's something that you have to be concerned in the future for Clemson. Last year, they beat Georgia Tech 73 to 7 <laughs> on the road. And this year, out at home, they went 14 to 8. Ugalele has not had 200 passing yards yet. Their offense has just not been good. And I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I don't have a doubt in my mind that they're going to run the table, right? Look at these opponents, right? NC State, BC, Syracuse, Pitt, Florida State could be okay, but probably not. Louisville, UConn, Wake, and then South Carolina. They're going to run the table. They're going to win the ACC. And they're probably maybe going to get in the playoffs. But I think they're all the way down to nine now. They have to show something in these last couple of games in these last last two months of the season to get into the playoff because they have to prove that they're legitimately better than Oklahoma, that they're legitimately better than the second Big Ten team, which they haven't done yet. And that is the goal at the end of the day is to get into the playoff, especially for a Clemson team that has expectations to be there, that had a disappointing game against Ohio State last year in the in the playoff as the two seed and I mean, they got crushed last year in the playoff. They lose their quarterback, and now all of a sudden it feels like they can't get off the ground. Like, the last few games of Clemson football has not been exactly awe-inspiring, and 
we'll have to see if that continues because I, I am concerned about this team. Like it's a legitimate concern that I have that this is not going to be a top four team, which I don't think anybody would have expected, especially from what we saw at Ugalele, uh, as you mentioned last year when Lawrence was hurt. So um, definitely, definitely a concern uh, there. I'm more concerned about Clemson than Oklahoma, I would say personally, but that's just me. Um, last week we talked about how Coastal Carolina, or excuse me, last week you talked about how Buffalo played Nebraska, and I was like, oh, that might be upset alert, and it wasn't. They got crushed. Then Buffalo comes home. They play against number 16, Coastal Carolina, and they put them on upset alert. They went only 28 to 25, just Coastal. Uh, so they gave it off, but a heck of a game from Buffalo. And uh, we just mentioned them last week, so we should mention them this week. Uh, and the upsets that actually happened, Michigan State took down Miami, which we predicted last week. Um, BYU beat Arizona State. Fresno State is now ranked, and they beat UCLA. And the reason that Oklahoma is potentially on upset watch is because West Virginia is coming off of an upset. They beat Virginia Tech 27-21. to 21. So, Ryan, which of those upsets, Michigan State, BYU, Fresno State, West Virginia, was most impressive to you? Well, the Michigan State one, I know you guys picked it last episode. Kudos to you. I wasn't on the show, unfortunately, or it would have been a sweep because I saw that. And it's impressive just because you look at what Michigan State has done overall this year. Northwestern, I know they kind of stink. But to still to win that game and everything, it looks like they're on the way back. It really does. Miami had no business being ranked. And, and these other teams that had these upsets, I don't know, like, long-term how much stock I put in them because West Virginia can easily just get blown out this week. Fresno State, you know, like – they're just a question mark being in their conference, everything like that. And like, no hate to just like kind of harp on them just for that. But I think, you know, down the line here, you're not going to be looking at that as a potential, whatever uh, BYU. It's just tough not being in a conference, everything like that. But Michigan state, obviously like a few really down years, you know, like really disappointing. It does look like they kind of are coming back here. Um, so I think that's the most impressive for me, the way they did it, everything like that wasn't really a doubt. So Michigan state, uh, you know, I think like, a few years, maybe like this, them versus Michigan. I don't know when they play, but that, that could be a really good game. They could be on their way to something special here. So Michigan State, I think, was the one that showed me the most because of long-term outlook. Maybe not in the game, everything like that, but long-term, I put the most stock in Michigan State of these upsets. I'm going to give uh, props to Chris because he also picked BYU over ASU, and I did not pick that. I thought ASU was going to take care of business. Um, I will gladly take the thank you for the uh, Michigan State pick, Ryan. Uh, but I'm going to say that the biggest one in my eyes, uh, being a California guy and a semi-fan of Fresno State, I got to take Fresno State over UCLA. Um, I got a lot of friends that are UCLA fans, and they were very, very, very high on UCLA. And um, a no-name school from uh, the middle of California comes in and takes care of business. And... I, I was impressed. I, I think that uh, Fresno State is a legit school and they may be a team to look out for like in the future. UCLA drops out of the ranking, or excuse me, yeah, UCLA drops to 24. They play Stanford this week. Michigan jumps up to 20. Fresno State gets into the rankings at 22. Uh, who else do we just mention? Michigan State jumps into the rankings at 20. So lots of movement at the bottom of the the top 25 from these games and Arizona state dropped out as well. They were at 19. Uh, and now I I'm really interested in the West West Virginia one. They played a good game against Virginia tech. 
Now they're going into the biggest game of their season. That's the one I'm most interested in for the future. I think the most impressive one in-game was BYU because we saw them beat a Utah team, and then they really took it to the next level. Um, but West Virginia is the one I'm looking for in the future to say, okay, well, they, they started this out by beating Virginia Tech. Now are they able to pull off the big upset of the whole season, which is an unranked team taking down um, a national champion contender in, uh, in Oklahoma? All right, so the last thing we're going to mention from last week was uh, Ryan's trip to Florida Atlantic. Fordham loses 45-14. to 14. Greenhagen, Ryan Greenhagen, the linebacker, had 17 more tackles. His total through three games is 76. He played Stony Brook, who got crushed by Oregon this week. Uh, so, Ryan, what were your takeaways from the Rams game down, down in Florida? Yeah, 17 tackles in only three quarters because he, he got hurt, and that one had some cramps, came back into the game. I think right now the pace, and this is something where maybe jumping the gun a little, but I think it's something that we could have like a talk every week. He needs to average, I think, 14 tackles, 14 and a half tackles the rest of the year to break the all-time in-season record, NCAA, FCS, all that. So that's something where in three quarters down game, only 17, still on pace. You know, like he's really having a special year. He solidified himself as an NFL guy. But overall, this game, it's, it's a different vibe than the Nebraska game. Like that one, you can take away feeling better about yourself in the sense that like power five, everything like that, you know, our guys just got burnt. Our guys just got gassed. Like they have better athletes, better recruits, better facilities, everything like that. But this one was one where, you know, Fordham ends up losing 45-14. They really did have a shot in this one, 14-7 and halftime. FAU had three touchdowns drop. They missed a 32-yard field goal. They muffed two punts. They ran out the clock in the red zone in the first half didn't have a timeout. I think their quarterback scrambled up the middle. You know, those are all things they did wrong. Ton of penalties as well. And Fordham didn't capitalize on any of them. The offense looked really bad. Um, but for Fordham, like, it's never about that game. It's about the Patriot League. So takeaways, like, if Fordham plays like that, they're not a contender. They're not going to beat Holy Cross in a game that I think could mean a lot. A lot of, you know, some jobs could be on the line November 13th. But it was an awesome experience to be there. I'll say that. And, you know, grateful for WFV Sports for bringing me along. Had a great time with Nick DeLuca. But for Fordham football, it wasn't a great time. And they really just played sloppy on Saturday. Yeah, it, it was unfortunate. It really felt like they could they could jump on jump on FAU there and start to get upset alert trending around. 14, but just, sorry, sorry to cut you up, but 14-7 at halftime and you get the ball back. Like, like there was a yeah. shot. They, had, they really had a chance in this one. Uh, we mentioned they play Stony Brook and then they start league play with Lafayette uh, on October 2nd. So that's the uh, this time we'll see them start the Patriot League and hopefully they're able to, to, to turn things around a little bit. All right. So now we move on to week four. There are two games, ranked opponent versus ranked opponent. First one is Texas A&M taking on Arkansas at Jerry World. Uh, this one could be really interesting, an SEC matchup. Arkansas looking to put themselves in that conversation with Florida A&M, Alabama, and Georgia. Uh, this is going to be also a real test of how good A&M is and if they can beat Alabama. I think if they beat up on Arkansas, we'll start having that conversation. And then another neutral site game is – is this the Shamrock series or no? This, this is the Shamrock series this year. Yeah. Okay. The stupid Shamrock series where they have these dumb jerseys and play in weird places. Notre Dame's taking on Wisconsin at Soldier Field, the Jack Cone revenge game. Uh, we'll start with A&M, Arkansas. Uh, Danny, we'll start with you. I think that A&M is going to roll. I'm not terribly high on Arkansas, but 
what would an Arkansas upset mean for the SEC in your eyes? I mean, obviously, an upset would light the world on fire. Uh, I like I like AM in this game, but there's so many good teams in the SEC where at this point in my eyes, the SEC is a total toss-up. I mean, obviously, we're going to see Alabama most likely come out of one, one side. And then, I mean, between Georgia, Clemson, I believe – or excuse me, not Clemson, uh, Georgia, Florida, and I believe Arkansas is on that side of the bracket too. Um, there is some potential chaos, and we love chaos over here. Yeah, this is one where, like, when I saw the game on the schedule, I was like, ooh, I'm going to pick Arkansas. Like, I can't wait to pick Arkansas. Call the upset on the podcast, everything like that. And then I did my research because, obviously, I can't just blindly pick this upset, and, and I'm steering away from it a little bit. I am. So I'm going to go with A&M overall. Um, you know, if you look at where they're trending, Arkansas, obviously looking impressive, blowing out Texas, blowing out Georgia Southern. A&M not very impressive so far this year, 10-7. Win by Colorado, squeaking by. Uh, it's just the Texas A&M defense, only 17 points given up. Top scoring defense, top passing defense. I think that it's just going to be too much. They have the athletes. They have the better recruits. Everything like that. You know, Arkansas's next four games, I think, by far the hardest in the sport. A&M, Georgia, Ole Miss, Auburn. Even for Arkansas to go two and two in those four, honestly, even one and three would be a huge step up. It show that they can at least, you know, be in a conversation with the second tier in the SEC. I think that's the goal for Arkansas. Can't say they're there just yet. They need a signature win, at least one against these four uh, in my eyes. But I don't think it's this week. Neutral site in Texas, you know, I, I think this is just it's it too much too early for Arkansas. I have them hanging around here. I think the spread's five and a half. I think they should cover that, but I just don't think the they're going to be able to score enough on this A&M defense. They'll have 10 straight losses versus A&M. I think I'm going to go like 24-21 A&M gets the win. Yeah, I'm going to pick A&M in a little bit more of a blowout. I'll say 31-17, 31-20, something like that. Um, the So you mentioned size of the bracket. So the SEC East has Georgia and Florida. And then a bunch of teams who stink, Kentucky, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Missouri, and uh, South Carolina. It's the SEC West where it's an absolute dogfight, but then you think about it and you're like, oh, wait, no, it actually isn't because Alabama's in the SEC West. They're followed by number seven A&M, number 13 Ole Miss, number 16 Arkansas, and number 23 Auburn. So Alabama's going to have a heck of a schedule in order to run the table again this year, and they probably will. Um, and this is going to be a conversation and this is going to be a game that kind of solidifies who that number two team is, who's going to give Alabama the biggest run. Um, and maybe it's Arkansas for the first time. And I, I can't even put a number on how long that is, um, how long since they've been good. So uh, that would be a lot of fun uh, for Arkansas to win this game. But I do think that A&M will take care of it. Uh, Notre Dame and Wisconsin. I think that Wisconsin is going to absolutely roll in this game. Uh, I think that their defense is really good and that Nernie's offense is not good and that this could be a very low-scoring affair. Um, Notre Dame took care of Purdue, like the three of us against all 11 Purdue players could probably take care of Purdue. They're pretty terrible. Um, so I think that Wisconsin is going to roll here um, and that we're going to really – this is the first big test for Notre Dame. And if I'm wrong and Notre Dame rolls, then maybe we'll start having a conversation about this team actually being good. Um, but starting with you, uh, you, Ryan, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Interesting. Is this a little reverse jinx here? No, it's just, I think the team is bad. 
Yeah, um, I do agree with you. I don't know about goal. I think that, you know, when you have the advantage of quarterback like Notre Dame does, it's hard to get absolutely rolled, especially with how kind of bad Wisconsin's offense and Graham Mertz have been. But I do like Wisconsin in this one. Uh, I think it's kind of fitting that they're playing at Soldier Field because the Bears are synonymous with not great quarterback play, good defense, ugly football games. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see. Uh, Wisconsin five and a half point favorites while being obviously six spots lower than them in the AP. That's very telling. That's a thing that shows you when you put your money where your mouth is, people believe Wisconsin is a better football team. I do as well. I think you look at the running game. Uh, Wisconsin is going to just destroy Notre Dame in the trend. Like Notre Dame will not be able to run the football at all. In overall this year, they're only averaging 2.9 yards per carry, and Wisconsin is giving up 1.8 a game. So that's going to be a tough, you know, matchup there. Kyron Williams will probably not be able to get going. Your one hope, if you're Notre Dame, is Jack Cohn kind of revenge game. Like, can he kind of just step up to the task? I think he's been probably a little bit of a pleasant surprise. But Notre Dame overall, very underwhelming. We know the FSU game earlier in the year that looks even less impressive now. To what they've done, Toledo had a wire to wire. With them, that's weird. I think you take no stock from Purdue. They're terrible. Uh, so I'm going to take Wisconsin. I, I think the – I don't know about blowout. Um, you know, maybe seven-point win, low scoring, 23-16. I just think they'll control the clock. They're the number one time of possession in college football right now, and I don't think Notre Dame, their offense is good enough with the limited chances they'll get to put up enough points to beat this defense in Wisconsin. So as a Notre Dame fan, I always have so much false hope and I have officially talked myself into picking Notre Dame in this game because of one man that Ryan Gregoire mentioned, Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn is going to come into this game so with his pants lit on fire after Wisconsin picks Graham Mertz over Jack Cohn. I think Notre Dame wins this by a couple scores. Good teams find ways to win. If they're a bad team, they're not going to win it. But the false hope is completely alive and well um, over here. And I think that Jack Cohn comes in, has a monstrous game, at least 300 passing yards, three touchdowns. Notre Dame wins. Yeah, I disagree. Uh, this is the big start for Notre Dame's schedule. They have Wisconsin, then they're playing Cincinnati at home. Then they got Virginia Tech, who we mentioned just lost. Uh, they have USC, who's a dumpster fire. And then UNC. Those are the big five games in the middle here. Uh, and then they end it with a little bit of an easier schedule, Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. So they have to get that started on a good foot. They have to win this game. Uh, there's no question about it. They're the number 12 ranked team in the country right now for a reason, even though they're 3-0. and And it's because they've showed that maybe they aren't actually that good in any of these games, but they haven't lost. So they can't really drop all the way out of the rankings. Um, I, I do think that they're going to lose and uh, that the team isn't actually any good. <laughs> and um yeah, I, I'm not as high on this team as I was last year's team, and I honestly wasn't even high on last year's team either. So um, this is – I have the feeling this is going to be a rough one, uh, personally. Uh, so we have some other games. We mentioned West Virginia, Oklahoma. Michigan State's going to play Nebraska. Um, that's an interesting one because of what we saw from Nebraska last week, which is giving Oklahoma a run. Uh, if I'm going to pick an upset game for this week, this is the one I'm going to pick because I think Michigan State – is coming off a huge win uh, against Miami, and now they have a little bit of a letdown game in the, against Nebraska. Nebraska's looking for that big win this year. They've had a couple chances at it, and this is the second chance, and, and I think they're going to take advantage of it. So, so for me, the upset game this week, I guess technically in the rankings, Wisconsin-Notre Dame's an upset, but it's really not. Um, my upset game is Nebraska-Michigan State. 
Uh, you said Nebraska doesn't have a signature win. What are you talking about? Week one, big win against Florida, man. Of course. My apologies. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna side with Chris on this one. I, I think there is the potential for an upset here. I still like Michigan State in this game. It's at Michigan State. They're coming off um, a couple of good weeks in a row. But I, if there was a game that I were to pick as a potential upset, this would be it. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't agree just because of Nebraska. I'm just out on them completely as a program. I don't really buy anything that they're building, anything like that. And Michigan State at home, you know, the way they've looked, like I talked about, I think it was the most impressive. Their first real home game versus a no offense to Youngtown State. This is their first home game, Big Ten school, everything like that. So I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. I certainly like Michigan State to win this one. All right, that's it for this week. Week four is a little bit of a weaker split slate. We talked about the two games against the ranked teams, um, and the season's starting to pick up here. We're starting to see who's legit and who's not, and um, we'll certainly have a reaction to the Notre Dame game because I think that is going to be a very interesting one, and previews of another week of some pretty solid games in week five. Looking ahead, we already got, as you mentioned, Notre Dame-Cincinnati. We got Michigan-Wisconsin, uh, Ole Miss-Alabama. So we got a couple of good ones to preview for next week as well. So be sure you tune in then. Enjoy the college football this weekend, and we'll see you next time.